May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Well, good morning. And welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I want to especially welcome our North Campus watching via live stream. I miss you guys. Y'all are rock stars. I will see you back next week. So when Robin and I were engaged, she made me make her a promise. Side note, any promise a guy makes during engagement should be just considered null and void simply because they're about to be married. We'll say anything. Robin made me promise that she would never have to drive a minivan. Sure, you never have to drive a minivan. Awesome. So, promise was made, got married. At the time, she was driving a little sporty number, some kind of car, uh, started having kids. So, we got a small SUV. More kids, well, the next size up SUV. More kids, and we're faced with a decision. A minivan was clearly the best option for our family. The price gas mileage, convenience, number of seats, I mean, everything about it, but yet I made a promise. So I wrote all of the facts, all of the options down, slid it across the table for her to make the decision 110% on her own. That's not exactly how she remembers it, but that's what happened. And so she drives a minivan, and she loves that thing. She loves it. She might not say it right off the bat, but like when she's driving, I, I, she's driving like over there sometimes, I'm like, you love this thing, don't you? You love it. And then she reminds me of the promise and that she's driving a minivan. But that's like, that's the only promise that I've ever made. I, I've made lots of them. My kids remind me of promises that they say that I've made all the time and they almost all end with them getting candy. Hey kids, it's time to go to bed, but dad, you promised we could have candy today. What? Like, why do I say that? So they wind up getting candy. I, I've made lots of promises. I've broken lots of promises. I've had promises made to me that have been fulfilled. I've promises made to me that have been broken. We've all been in that situation. We've all made a bunch of promises. We've all broken promises. We've had promises fulfilled to us, and we've had promises that have been broken, that have been made to us. Maybe it was the promise of comfort, of protection and love from a parent. And then there was abuse. Maybe not physical, but maybe verbal abuse. Neglect, and you're struggling and dealing with it now. But that promise. Maybe it was the promise of a relationship that was to come. Promise of a ring. Promise of marriage. Just never happened. What if there was a promise of a loving, lasting, passionate marriage till death do us part? And now, single again. It was promise of a career, promise of a job opportunity, promise of a business deal. Never came, broken, bankrupt, I don't know. But we've all experienced it. But then on the other side, like when we're able to fulfill a promise, like it feels great. There's like the, hey, I promised, there you go. You see, as I was looking into this whole idea of promises, it made me think, whenever a promise is made, there's this mental picture that comes of what it's gonna look like when that promise is fulfilled. And we align our hearts and our emotions with 
that image, with that end result, and if it's ever broken, then it, there's this tearing and ripping away of this reality of this picture that we had made that now it's just not gonna happen. And there's almost like a grieving period of just a broken promise. See, because a promise inspires so much hope and desire and a confidence in it coming true. We struggle with promises. They're made too much and they're broken too much. So when we see a promise given by God, like we really want to believe it, but all of our promised insecurities kind of rise back up inside of us. We think, well, this is God. Obviously, he's going to fulfill his promise. But then at the same time, those voices inside are like, hey, what's different about God making a promise than all these other people in your life making a promise? But then God gives David a promise. David, God's imperfect hero, the guy that we've been looking at this entire series. I mean, David, obviously that one's gonna come true. You see, in this series, we've been taking a look at David, how in the different situations in his life, on paper, he is not the perfect person to fulfill God's promises, to meet all of God's desires, a victory, of a kingdom, like David's not the guy. But then every time, David rises up and God does things that are just amazing through him. So obviously, a promise given to David, God's imperfect hero, is going to come true. But our insecurities. Now, God delivers an incredible promise to David. And it's what we're gonna look at to wrap up this entire series. But before we get to the promise, one of the things that I want us to think about for a second is David's a king. Now, we don't live in a, in a culture of kings and succession and all of that stuff, um, but one of the things that kings struggled with, and you see it continually throughout scripture, is not just their worry about their kingdom at that specific moment, but what's gonna happen next to their kingdom and to the throne? Who's gonna succeed them? Who's gonna take over? And if it's their son, well then what's that gonna look like? Are they gonna do a good job? How long is their kingdom gonna reign? Is, if their kingdom's gonna end, how is it gonna end? Is it gonna come because of a defeat? Or are we just gonna dwindle away? Is another kingdom gonna rise up and be more powerful? Is my son going to be a good king? Is he gonna follow God? Is he gonna do what's right for the people? All of these things are just worries that kings had at that time. So when God shows up and delivers this incredible promise to David, it not only calms him and gives him hope for the immediate, but it gives a promise of a future. And so many of God's promises are like that. Hey, God gives a promise and it is comfort in the moment. It is help in the moment, but it's also a promise of hope and of blessings in the future. And so when we see this promise that God gives to David, You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. How there is help in the immediate and there is a huge promise of the future that's given. We find it in 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you haven't gotten your sermon notes out yet, go ahead and do so. Let's take a look at this incredible promise. Let's dissect it a little bit and then let's talk about its implications in our life. In 2 Samuel 7, 11 through 16, it says, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house. Circle the word house for me. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Circle the word kingdom for me. 
He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne, circle the word throne, of his kingdom forever, circle forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever, circle the word forever, before me. Your throne will be established forever, circle the word forever. So you should have house, kingdom, and throne circled, and then forever circled three times. One of the things that we see in this promise that is given is, hey, David, don't worry. Your son, your own flesh and blood is going to succeed you, and I'm going to love him, and he is going to be my son, and I'm going to course correct him along the way, and my love will never leave him. Don't worry. But then this kingdom and this throne that I have established through your household, this throne is going to rule forever. Now, how's that? How is David's kingdom and David's rule and his lineage gonna rule forever? Well, see, one of the things that Israel's been looking for, and we see it continually throughout the Old Testament, is the promise of their Messiah. And there's prophecies dropped all in the Old Testament of what this Messiah is gonna look like. And right here, we see a promise that the Messiah is gonna come through the line of David. God's kingdom and his throne will be established forever through the lineage of David. What an amazing promise. Hey, David, I promise you, your son, your own flesh and blood is gonna rule. I'm gonna love him like a son. I'm gonna take care of him. My love will never leave him. And not only that, David, but the Messiah of my kingdom and of my throne is gonna come through your lineage as well. That is is one incredible promise. I mean, it doesn't surprise us looking at this series, how amazing David has been. But I mean, what's that to us? Hey, great job, David. Like, you got a great promise, but what about me? Like, I, I ain't getting a kingdom. I don't have a throne. No matter how many times you go to, Jack, uh, to Burger King and put that throne on, like, you are not a king. So how does this promise impact us? Well, there's three things that I want us to look at. There's three things of how this promise given to David can impact and change our lives today. So here's the first one. Number one is following Christ can change my family's lineage. Following Christ can change my family's lineage. Look at how the promise starts. I've reprinted it for you, verses 11 and 12. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. In the very beginning of this promise, it doesn't have to do so much with David, but it has to do with his family lineage. I want you to think back about David's family. When we first met David in the beginning of the series, he was a, the youngest in his family, and he was a shepherd taking care of the sheep way out in the field. No royalty, just common family, David, lowest man on the totem pole, shepherd. Well, now we see David as a king. Think of the transformation that his family has gone through. The lineage of his family has been changed 
forever. Because David so had a heart after God and followed him so fully that God said, hey, I want him to be the king of my people. He wasn't in line to be king. His family wasn't royalty, but because of David's passion and heart for God, his family became royalty. Following Christ changes your family's lineage. Maybe for some of you in here, you come from a long line of Christ followers. It is a mark of your family tree and of your lineage of people that wholeheartedly follow Christ. Then continue that strong lineage. Do not let it fade. The work and the sacrifice and the commitments that have been made by your generations that have come before you, do not stop. Continue to press into God. Continue to follow him with the commitments that you make, with how you lead your family, with your kids, with your friendships. Do not. Do not let that go. But maybe for you, you're the first. Maybe for you, you're the first person in your family, in your family tree, to make a commitment to follow Christ. Man, what hope and what great encouragement to know that you are literally changing your family's lineage right now. Maybe for you, your family has been loosely participating in church, but not really fully devoted. But you make the decision that your family tree, that your branch of the family tree is gonna be one that is fully devoted to Christ. It changes what your family looks like. David's children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren are royalty because of David's heart and passion for God. Not because of decisions they made, but because of decisions that David made. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren can be greatly blessed because of your decision to wholeheartedly follow Jesus Christ. Following Christ changes your family lineage. So what's the second thing? What's the second thing we can pull from this great promise? It's draw my confidence from promises in God's word. To draw my confidence from promises in God's word. It says in, in verse 16, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. You think David struggled with confidence? Not after that promise. Not after that promise was given. I promise you, David did not struggle with confidence at all. It honestly probably became more of a, of a struggle of his because his confidence probably turned into pride because of this incredible promise given to him. Hey, David, because you're such a great king, I'm gonna take care of your son and the Messiah's gonna come through your line. He's feeling pretty good about himself. But up until this point, where did David draw his confidence? I mean, we don't know. Maybe it was from the strength of the army. Maybe it was from the number of treaties, lack of wars, and peace with all the countries around. Maybe it was in his riches. Maybe it was in his family. Number of wives, concubines, I don't know. But I promise you, after this moment, his confidence was based on the promise that God had given him. So let me ask you, where do you draw your confidence? Where do you draw your confidence? Is it from status? Is it from the look of your family? Is it from the house, the car? Maybe it's from your job. Maybe the activities that you're involved in. Circle of friends that you run. 
Maybe your confidence is in your bank account. Maybe it's from media and culture that you're following in line with exactly what the media and the culture says you should be doing. Is that where your confidence is from? Is it from just material objects that you have in your house? I don't know. But I do know that if your confidence is based on anything that is circumstantial, that means in one moment, all of your confidence can be completely shot. It can be gone in one moment. So, like David, draw your confidence from promises in God's word. Promises that God gives you, that is where you should draw your confidence from. So what does that look like? How does that happen? Well, first off, you gotta be reading your Bible. You gotta be reading your Bible. And I put some examples in here. What are some promises for you? Well, when you're reading your Bible and you come across Philippians chapter four, verse 19, and it says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. There's a promise, God's gonna meet your needs. Now look, God's definition of needs and your definition of needs might be a little bit different. But I promise you, God will meet your needs. I mean, it's evident in the fact that you're here. Everything you needed to get to church, to wake up this morning, to be here, God met. No matter what circumstances you may find yourself in in life, God will meet your needs. You keep reading. And you see in John, maybe chapter 10, verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. God promises you'll never lose your salvation. Maybe there comes a time in your life, or maybe you're dealing with it right now, where you've done something so bad, or you've been away from God for so long that you think there's no way he loves me, there's no way I have a relationship with him anymore, there's no way I've, I've completely lost my salvation. Well, John 10, 28 begs to differ. It says that nothing can snatch you out of God's hand. No matter what you do, where you go, how long you've been distant, you cannot lose your salvation. That is confidence. That is confidence. No matter how long you've been away, you say, hey, God, and he's right there. Right there for you. Or you wake up one morning and you're reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You're promised a fresh start. When you become a Christ follower, you are promised a fresh start. No matter what has happened in your past, no matter what decisions you have made, you have a clean slate, a fresh start. The old is gone and the new is here. As a Christ follower, you don't have to live tied to the bondage of the hurts, of the habits, of hangups that you have had in the past. The addictions that you have do not have to rule over you anymore because the old is gone and the new is here. The guilt, the hurt, the pain, the depression, the abandonment, look, no, old is gone, new is here. Those do not rule you anymore. It's a promise. Or maybe you read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 4. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You're promised to be comforted. When you're hurting, when life is hard, when you feel like struggles are just too big to bear, 
when the load is too much, God is there to comfort you. You see how this works when you read God's word, when you read the Bible, you find these promises, that is where you are to draw your confidence. That's where you get your confidence from, not from anything circumstantial in your life. The moment that promise was given in 2 Samuel chapter 7, that became a source of confidence for David. Didn't matter the size of his army. Didn't matter the number of treaties or the wealth that he had. He knew. Look, my son, my own flesh and blood is going to rule and God's going to love him and God's going to take care of him and the Messiah's coming through in my line. What do I have to worry about? What do I have to worry about? Look, draw your confidence from promises in God's word. Well, what's the third thing that we can learn from this incredible promise that God gives to David? And it's make God's promise to David a promise to me. Make God's promise to David a promise to me. Look, this promise is so significant that it changed the scope of of scripture and the biblical narrative from this point forward. It was another major clue that we had to finding who the Messiah was going to be. It was talked about continuously through the line of David, the son of David. Isaiah talks about it. Isaiah talks about it to the nation of Israel. When they're at a point, when they are just low and they are needing more of God, they are far from him. And Isaiah speaks this word of promise. It's 55, verse three. It says, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Covenant's a biblical word for a promise. And underline this whole last sentence. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. I mean, think about it for a second. The amount of love that God must have had for David. I mean, God says, I love you so much that I'm gonna take you from a field where you were a shepherd. I'm gonna put you as king over my people. I'm gonna bless your kingdom. I'm gonna make your own flesh and blood succeed after you, and I'm gonna love your son just as much as he would be my own son, and my love's never gonna leave him, and I'm gonna be there to correct him when he makes mistakes. And David, I love you so much that the Messiah, my own son, Jesus Christ, I want him to come through your line. That is a massive amount of the love that God is pouring out upon David. And here's the thing, Isaiah's telling us in 55 verse three, that it's yours, that you can make that same unfailing love promised to David to you. Has there ever come a time in your life where you have put all of your hope and all of your trust into following Jesus Christ and becoming a Christ follower? Has there ever come a time in your life where you've said, God, I am sorry for all of the mistakes I have ever made. I completely believe in you. I believe in your son that he died on the cross for my sins and my mistakes. And when he rose again three days later, wiped the slate clean, all of my sins can be forgiven and pledge to follow Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. Have you ever done that? If you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't feel God's love. How could he love me? Look, it starts with becoming a Christ follower. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. 
If you've never prayed that prayer or one like one, I'm going to give you some time toward the end of the service today for you to become a Christ follower and pray that prayer. But the amount of love that God has for David, Isaiah says that the promise given to David can be a promise made to you. Man, what great hope that is. We talk about this promise that's made. Well, how is this promise fulfilled? What does it look like? Like, All right, we have this great promise. Well, we know Solomon, he became the next king and he ruled. But what about this idea of the Messiah coming through the lineage and the line of David? Look at how this promise is fulfilled. In Matthew chapter one, we have the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's basically just a genealogy all the way down, starting from Adam and ending with Jesus. It says in verse six, and Jesse, the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, mother Bathsheba, who we talked about last week. And then jumping down to verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Jesus Christ is in the genealogy of King David. And in in chapter 21, verse nine of Matthew, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem, for the final week of his life. He all rides in on the donkey, the palm branches, that whole scene. Well, look at what's being shouted at him when during this triumphal entry. So the crowds that went ahead of him and those that had followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Promise fulfilled. David, 2 Samuel chapter seven. I promise you, the Messiah will come through your line. And in 21 of Matthew, we see, Hosanna, praise be to God. You are the son of David. God fulfills his promises. You know, when we look back at this series, one of the biggest things I want you to take away is that David wasn't perfect. Actually, in every situation that we look at, he wasn't perfect. He was never the ideal guy. He made big mistakes. But yet his heart and love and passion for God was so great and so strong that God did immeasurable things in him and through him. I'd be willing to bet that you are in a very similar position to David. You're not perfect. You're not the ideal person for a lot of situations that you're in. And you've made a lot of really big mistakes in life. God says, follow me, love me. And the unfailing love I had for David is the same unfailing love that I will have for you. And I will do immeasurable things in you and through you. Your family lineage will be changed if you follow Christ. You will have confidence that is overwhelming because of promises that God gives you through his word. And the unfailing love God promised to David is promised to those who follow. Look, God desires to do great things in you and through you. And so to start, truly stepping into that, I want everybody right now to take out your connection card and let's take some next steps. Maybe for you it's this first one. To become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, just what I was talking about a couple of moments ago. There's never come a time in your life that you have put your hope, faith, and trust in Jesus Christ and follow him as Lord and Savior. I'd love for it to be this morning.
There's that sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. I'm gonna give you some time in just a couple of moments to pray that prayer silently to yourself. That's you, I want you to check this box because we'd love to follow up with you this week and let you know how excited we are about the commitment that you've made. Or the second one, make church participation a higher priority to strengthen my family's lineage. Look, in the least, would you let it be known that for you and your family, you participate in church on Sunday mornings and you serve and you go and you are active and you give. That is a mark of your family tree. Or this third one, follow Christ this week by having a dedicated prayer time of thankfulness as family and friends. All right, Thanksgiving went by. We know family got checked. We know food. We know football. But did you spend a dedicated time with family and friends just in prayer, just thanking him for all of the amazing blessings? Look, it's not too late. Follow Christ by just making some dedicated time as a family to go through and let God know how thankful you are for all the gifts that he's given you. Well, this fourth one. Increase my Bible reading to draw my confidence from God's word. Like the only way you find these promises is if you read the Bible. So whatever amount you read your Bible, increase it. If it's one day a week, make it two. If you read it three days a week, we'll increase it to four. You get the picture. Increase the amount of time that you spend in God's word so that you can find these promises. Or this next one. Renew my hope in promises God has made, knowing he will fulfill them. Look, in a church this size, the reality is there's a handful of you that are beginning to lose hope that promises that God's made will ever be met. Look, do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. The promise given to David of the Messiah was hundreds of years later when Jesus Christ was born. Look, we don't know when promises will be fulfilled by God, but they will be. So do not lose hope. Or this next one. Commit to listen to any message in the series, God's Imperfect Hero, I may have missed. If you missed anything in the series, I highly encourage you to go back and watch or listen to one of these messages. You can go on our website or you can go on our mobile app and you can watch them on video or you can listen to them in the form of a podcast. But do not miss any one of these series. It was absolutely fantastic. Or this next one. Commit to return next week for the kickoff of our Christmas series, Gifts. Look, we are going to kick off a fantastic Christmas series next week called Gifts. It's going to be one that you're not going to want to miss. It's going to run the entire Christmas season. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. But right now, no matter what your next step is, I want to give you some time to pray and ask God to lead you in which next steps he would have you take. And then I want you to pray and ask for strength to follow through on those next steps this week. So right now, across the room, I want all of you to go ahead and bow your head and let's pray silently together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, God, and we thank you for this amazing promise that you gave to David. God, I thank you so much for the example of of his faith and his love and his passion for you, God, changing his family tree, God, changing what it was going to look like for generations to come for David's line. God, I pray right now, God, that you would give all of us the strength to follow in those footsteps. God, that we would so wholeheartedly, God, follow you. God, that we would be fully devoted to you in every aspect of our lives. 
God, that it would change the shape and makeup of our family tree. God, that our family tree would be known, God, for following you, for being committed to you. God, that your blessings would be poured out on generations to come because of commitments that we make in this room right now. So Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, would you go before us this week? God, we thank you, God, for your love, your unfailing love that you promised to David that is bestowed on us. And we ask all this in your name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.